My name is John Cullen, and I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and curling. It's the story of Broomgate, how a single broom, yes, a broom, turned friends into foes and almost killed the 500-year-old sport of curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate, available now. You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production. A quick warning before we begin. The content of this episode may be unsettling for some listeners. Think of every story about a serial killer that you've ever heard. True crime or fake crime. Doesn't matter. Fast forward to the part where the police arrest and charge the alleged killer and build a case for an upcoming trial. The police believe they know where the remains of victims can be found. So in these stories, what happens next? Well, not in Winnipeg. There's anger and frustration tonight over the province's lack of action or commitment to search the Prairie Green landfill for the remains of two Indigenous women. Last year, a man was charged with murdering four Indigenous women. Currently, the province is refusing to authorize a search of the landfill where remains of two of those women are likely to be found, police say. Manitoba's premier is citing cost as well as health and safety issues, but a lot of people, from Indigenous leaders to the families of the victims themselves to experts in the field of performing these searches, are pushing for the search to go ahead. So why hasn't it? Why would the province prevent this? What role can other levels of government play in this decision? And what exactly do we know about what a search would or wouldn't turn up? And how would performing one impact the case when it goes to trial? I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Brittany Hobson is a Winnipeg-based reporter for the Canadian press. She has been following this story since the initial arrest. Hello, Brittany. Hello. Thank you for having me. Of course. Maybe before we get to the missing remains specifically and the discussion around the search, can you just summarize for us the case we're discussing here? Uh, Who is the alleged killer and what are the accusations? The alleged killer is named Jeremy Skibicki. Uh, he's a man in his mid-30s, and, and he was initially uh, arrested and charged with first-degree murder in the killing of Rebecca Contois in May 2022. We don't know much about him. He has been in custody since then, but there are court allegations from previous partners of his that you know allege abuse at his hands, There's been some protection orders issued. So based off court documents shows that that he does have a alleged history of abuse against women. When he was arrested, you know, he was put into custody and has been there since then. And then police announced these new charges for the three additional women in December of 2022. 
And what do we know about the alleged victims? I guess first Rebecca Contois, but also uh, Morgan Harris, Mercedes Myron, and an unidentified victim uh, who is known as the Buffalo Woman. So Rebecca Contois was in her early 20s, 24, I believe, 24 years old at the time of her death. She was living in Winnipeg, but a member of Crane River First Nation in Manitoba. She had been reported missing a few times before her remains were found. When they were found, I, I think at the time she she had been reported missing for a couple of weeks. Morgan Harris and Mercedes Myron are two women from Long Plain First Nation in Manitoba. They also lived in Winnipeg and spent most of their time in Winnipeg. They were both mothers, young mothers. Morgan Harris was 39 years old and Mercedes Myron was 26 years old. Both, you know, had used, uh, I would say, social services in the, in the community. Mm-hmm. At the time of both their deaths, they had also been reported missing uh, for a number of months. Mercedes Myron's family actually pleaded to media in, in September of 2022 to try to find Mercedes Myron. She had been missing, I think, since early 2022. Same with Morgan Harris. Buffalo Woman, there really is not a lot known about her at this time. Police have said that it's believed she's Indigenous and that she may be in her mid-20s. But there's really not a lot of other information. Police did release a photo of a jacket, a puffer style jacket that they believe belonged to Buffalo Woman or one that was similar belonged to her. And so they tried to put those out for information. But following up with police since then, they they say they're still investigating and, and an identity isn't known yet. And part of the investigation at this moment, I guess, centers around a place called Prairie Green Landfill. Can you explain why it's at the center of this story seven months after the alleged killer was charged with the rest of the murders? So Prairie Green Landfill is a privately owned landfill just north of Winnipeg. And police came out and said in December that it's believed the remains of Morgan Harris and Mercedes Myron are at the Prairie Green landfill, but that so much time had passed since they were able to confirm the two women's deaths that they were unable to search it. Um, So I guess they were able to track the remains with garbage disposal trucks and were able to determine that uh, the remains were sent to the Prairie Green landfill and were in a specific section of the Prairie Green landfill, but that they came out right off the bat saying that they were not going to search the landfill for those two women's remains. Um, what we've been told is that Perry Green, since police told them that they believe this is a section of the landfill where the remains are, that Perry Green actually has stopped depositing waste to that area and basically has sectioned it off. Okay, so I'm trying not to ask this in a slanted way because I don't mean it like this, but if the police believe and seem pretty confident that the remains of two victims are there, why wouldn't they search for them? And even if not to provide more evidence, at least to provide closure? Police came as soon as, I guess, the charges were announced against Skibiki in December for the the three women's deaths. Police were upfront very quickly about that they were not going to search the landfill because of the time that had passed 
since they were able to determine. So it is believed that Mercedes Myron and Morgan Harris were killed sometime in May, I believe, within days uh, of each other. And I'm not sure when they were able to determine that they were killed or that they had died, but there had been a big chunk of time that had passed, this is what police have said, as well as concern, safety concerns about searching a landfill that you know, has toxic waste, hmm. as well as the amount of I guess, waste that has been deposited in the area. So, I mean, Prairie Green was able to stop once they were notified, but I guess months had passed prior to that, that waste was being deposited. So those were kind of the main reasons. Cost also, sorry, I should mention cost was also another reason. Police wouldn't say how much they believed it to be, but it could be in the millions. So those were kind of the reasons that police gave for not searching the landfill. And what was the reaction to that immediately when they made that announcement? Oh, it was quite swift. The families, based off what they told media, were were surprised that the police came out and said that. They they were notified in advance, but given the reasons, they were they were surprised that police wouldn't go and and search the landfill. And so they actually took their fight to Ottawa to protest this and, and you know there there was a lot of anger there was a lot of hurt um you know in a community that maybe doesn't have the has a history of contentious relationships between police and indigenous peoples there was a lot of you know talk about that police were being racists and that if it were white women this wouldn't be the outcome so there was a lot of hurt and anger My name is John Cullen, and I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and curling. It's the story of Broomgate, how a single broom, yes, a broom, turned friends into foes and almost killed the 500-year-old sport of curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate, available now. And what happened from there? Because, you know, that was much earlier this year, I guess. And uh, it was only two weeks ago that we got what would seem to be the final word in this matter for now. That's a long journey. Yes, it has been a long journey. And, you know, you have to really, you know, give kudos to the families of Mercedes Myron and Morgan Harris, as well as Rebecca Contois, because they have pushed for months and months. And it's been, you know, lots of delays, lots of what they're calling, you know, bureaucratic red tape, lots of pointing fingers between different levels of government. So what what has essentially happened is, you know, when they took their fight to Ottawa, the Liberal government and Minister Mark Miller spoke with them and basically had said, if you can put together a feasibility report we will look into next steps. So that's what the families did. They formed, as well as Indigenous governments here in Manitoba, they formed a Indigenous-led committee and spoke with a number of different experts in the areas of like forensics and anthropology and had different levels of government on this committee. And they put together this feasibility study that was recently re- released. And so that's why some of this stuff has is come to head more recently. So the feasibility study found that 
a, a search is doable and there is a safe way to do it and that it could cost up to 184 million as well as take up to three years. And so when the feasibility study was completed, they forwarded it off to all levels of government and basically waited on next steps, which kind of took us to what has happened in the past couple of weeks. And what is that? Where do we stand? What just happened? So the the federal government spoke with the family after the study was released, and there really actually hasn't been a commitment from the federal government to fund the study. They kind of, you know, have said that we'll have to work with the province on this. Mm-hmm. There's provincial le- regulations that that will have to be done, and so they've kind of put the onus on the province, the provincial government. And so um, Manitoba Premier Heather Stephenson recently came out saying that she had spoke with the families, but that ultimately the province could not go ahead with a search because their main reason was safety concerns. The families did not accept that. They you know, said, we have experts here that we've quoted, right. that we've spoken right. with that have laid out a safe plan, which is in the feasibility study. So safety really shouldn't be a concern. These Some of these experts, you know, worked on other cases um, where landfills were searched in Ontario, as well as the serial killer Robert Picton in BC and his pig farm. And, right. and so they're, they're coming to this with plenty of expertise. And actually, the experts have come out afterwards saying, you know, the provincial government has not spoken with us. We've not been able to like lay out the exact plan or, or address any of the safety concerns. They've just flat out said that we're not searching it. And so now there's a kind of a standstill because the federal government is saying, well, we, we can't continue if we don't have provincial support. And the province is saying, well, it, this is just not going to happen. Do we know who made that decision at the provincial level, like where the buck stops? Is it the premier? Is it, you know, cabinet? How was it done? It's the premier as well as the justice minister. The justice minister has expressed later on concerns too about the judicial process and how a search may interfere with that, though it's not, they have not been able to lay out clearly how that will interfere with the with the trial. Um, but it has been the premier and the justice minister that have sp- been out, quite outspoken about this. Mm-hmm. You know, the province did have representatives on the committee and so it's also a bit of a surprise for the families that they're coming out and saying this and addressing concerns, even though there was representation on the committee and they were informed of the feasibility study and the methodology throughout the entire process. You mentioned that one of the reasons the province has given is safety of the workers and that experts say there's a way to do it safely. What about the workers themselves, the people who would be theoretically at risk at the landfill? What have they said about uh, whether or not they'd like to conduct a search? Well, mostly the people that have been speaking about are the anthropologists and the forensics experts that would be actually doing the work. Right. I think that there would be a, a, need, a need for, I guess, garbage workers, waste workers as well. But the majority of the work would be done by scientists and experts based out of uh, Brandon University. And so they've come out and said, you know, like this is that we can do this. We know how to do this and we know how to do it safely. They've been the only ones that have mainly spoken out beyond who else would be needed. We're, We're not sure at this point. 
And when we talk about the reaction to this decision uh, being unfavorable, to say the least, it's it's led to physical protests, right? Can you tell me what's going on or what has happened there? Yeah, so when Premier Stephenson came out and said that her government's not going to go ahead with the search, it prompted people at the Camp Morgan camp that's been set up since the Hurrians were found in December to to protest. And so that camp is actually at a different a different landfill, the Brady landfill, which is the city-run landfill in Winnipeg or just outside Winnipeg. And that's where the remains of Rebecca Contois were located, hmm. as well as there's believed to be remains of other Indigenous women, including Tanya Nipnak there. And so they have set up camp there. And once the news came out, a blockade was set up um, and actually shut down operations for a couple of weeks um, there, there was one road that was that was still open, a back road, but protesters came out in, in droves and set up a blockade and, you know, took to voicing their concerns there. And, you know, families were there and it was all peaceful protests. And eventually, the you know, the families did say that, you know, if police come, an injunction was approved to remove the blockade. And if police come, we're going to handle it in a peaceful way. And that's exactly what was done. So eventually, police did, rem- did move in and dismantled the blockade. They told protesters, you're allowed to stay here. You're allowed to have your camp still here. You just can't block the road anymore. And so that's that's where they're at. So the, the camp is still there. They have said that they're going to stay there until the remains of the women are found. Workers are back to work. And a second camp set up at the Canadian Museum for Human Rights called Camp Mercedes is now set up as well. And so they have protesters there every day and just want to make it known and, and you know, want to garner support for their cause. What could come next and what could still happen? Like, do we know what it would take to reopen the decision and perhaps authorize a search? Is there any movement in that direction, any hope that the province might still get on board? I guess I'm trying to figure out whether, you know, this is a a finished matter or what could still happen. So it is a bit of a standstill now. The premier has come out and on multiple occasions over the past week or so be firm on her stance that this is not going to happen. People are wondering now if the federal government can override that. And that's questions that we certainly as Canadian press have put to the federal government, but have not really received a response. Hmm. I think the families are hopeful that the premier will change their mind. And they're still being like, they're still, you know, speaking out about this. We put out a release saying we we still hope that Premier Stephenson changes her mind. But right now, really, it it is at a standstill. And time will tell, I guess, whether the federal government decides to fund this and find a way to go above the province or if this is just what it's remain, what we're making. I mean, the families and Indigenous leadership have said, you know, like, we're willing to do this. Mm-hmm. We're willing to do this ourselves. We just have to be given the approval to do it, essentially. We have the experts we need. They need the funding, of course, as well. But, you know, they, they've been up front saying, like, if the province doesn't want anything to do with it, just, you know, basically get out of their way. In the big picture... What is this doing to the relationship between Indigenous leaders and Indigenous communities and the provincial government? I mean, at a time when we're supposed to be focused on truth and reconciliation, and we've all heard um, the horror stories from the missing and murdered Indigenous women inquiry, like, 
this seems like, and again, I'm, I'm trying to put this mildly, it seems like a little bit of a thumb in the eye. Yeah, I think that it is. And the families are definitely hurt and have no faith in the provincial government at this point. You know, the Indigenous communities and Manitoba's progressive conservatives have not always had a favorable relationship. I, I think that has changed in recent times, but this is definitely setting it back. And now there is the question of how Indigenous communities can even, you know, believe what uh, the progressive conservatives are saying in, in terms of, you know, trying to mend relationships with Indigenous communities, if they're basically saying we're not going to search for these Indigenous women, that has, you know, pushed it back. And there's a lot of anger. There's just a lot of mistrust. And I, I think that it will take a lot. I mean, I think really the only option that the provincial government has at this point to to kind of repair the relationship is to go ahead with the search. And finally, what's the timeline here? I know that police don't seem to think it will have an impact on evidence at trial, but uh, when's the trial scheduled for and what are we looking at? The trial is scheduled right now for April 2024. And the search, you know, would take could take up to three years. So the family has been you know, adamant on wanting to get it done quickly. But in speaking, I spoke with the Crown when the charges were first announced. And the Crown, it's not rare for a murder trial to go ahead without the remains. And the Crown was confident in the evidence that put was put forth by police and to go ahead with the charges. So for the Crown's point of view, finding the bodies would mostly bring, I guess, closure to the families. It, it wouldn't necessarily make or break their case. I guess we'll see what happens. Brittany, thanks for walking us through this. Thank you so much for having me. Brittany Dobson reporting from Winnipeg for the Canadian Press. That was The Big Story. For more, you can head to thebigstorypodcast.ca. You can find all of our episodes there. If you're interested in a particular topic, scroll to the bottom, put it in the search bar. There's like 12, 1300 episodes at this point. We've probably done something on it. If we haven't, you should write to us or call us and tell us to do it if it matters to you. You can find us on Twitter at TheBigStoryFPN. You can reach us via email, hello at TheBigStoryPodcast.ca. Or you can pick up the phone, make a call, and leave a voicemail. The phone number there is 416-935-5935. You can get this podcast absolutely anywhere you get your favorite podcast. And if you like to use smart speakers... You can just ask yours to play The Big Story Podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. We'll talk tomorrow. My name is John Cullen, and I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and curling. It's the story of Broomgate, how a single broom, yes, a broom, turned friends into foes and almost killed the 500-year-old sport of curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate, available now.